welcome to this week's Master Instructor Roundtable, where we are live with myself, Wendy Batts, and co-host and friend, Marty Miller. Marty, how are you today? Great, Wendy. Thanks. Hope you're doing well. I am doing great. And guys, because we are live, if you have comments and questions as Marty and I go through the content today, where we are talking about getting clients interested in your services, please be sure to put it in the comment box and we will try to answer those questions before our time is up. So Marty, this topic is a topic you and I, we get so many questions about because we talk about what you need to do with assessments and we talk about what you need to do with your clients and programming. However, I think where people are really starting to struggle and where we're getting more and more questions as of lately um, is about how do we sell our services to keep these clients or even get these clients in the first place? Yeah, it's a great topic. And sometimes, you know, when I've been asked this question, I make it sound too simple. And as you know, I'm mentoring a, a young uh, gentleman right now that just started in the career. So this is a perfect topic. And we've had these conversations. And honestly, like we've said before, the NASM model is my friend. And that even goes back to the assessment. So for me, there are some strategic things you can do, but I view myself as an educator first. And if I'm educating people about what I found in their assessment and how I tie that to their goals and the model, things to me start coming back, uh, you know, and I have something to anchor to. So we're going to go through all that. But, you know, I would say hopefully a key takeaway is this is why you chose NESM, because all the answers are right there. Yeah. And I think if you really dive deep into the content and you understand the material that we cover each and every week, and then you start asking yourself different questions, those are going to be questions that your, your clients are probably going to ask you as well. And then you have to kind of think it's not about how much information, you know, and Marty, we've seen this because people start to talk about what they read in the book and they're using these big words. People don't want to know what you know. They want to know how are you going to help them? What's in it for me? We hear that all the time. What is in it for me? So if you can take that content that you know and you feel comfortable with the material, then you have to be able to kind of change and flip the script, if you will, and then put it towards the information that's going to best suit them. And that's, I think, the most important thing, along with the information that you're able to provide them based on all the information that you know, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, so. and it, we'll go through the objectives and all that fun stuff here. But I think one of the fun parts of this topic to me is there's the science of training, which to me is easier to learn because you can keep studying autogenic inhibition, reciprocal inhibition, and eventually you will get that stuff figured out. But there's the art of training where how do I get this information implemented to whoever walks in that front door. And I love that part of what we do, you know, just as much. I love the science, but I love having that uh, skillful artistry, I guess you can say, of getting people to come along this journey. And if you're confident in your material and what you know, you're obviously going to come across as a very confident trainer. And there are many, many trainers out there that probably don't have as much education as some of you guys but because they believe in themselves, they kind of look the part, they act the part, they walk the walk, they're able to have a full book of clientele when you're thinking, wow, I know way more than this person and I have research and science to back what I'm doing, but I only have one or two clients. And I think that's kind of one of the, the main takeaways, especially when we get towards the end, how do you sell your services? We're going to talk a lot about that because if you feel confident and you show that confidence more and more people want to be around you because they see how you interact with your clients. They see how you take care of yourself, but then too, they also see exactly what you're doing with your clients. 
you're always, and Marty, we've said this multiple times, you are always on the stage when you're working out with a client because people are always watching what you're doing. Without a doubt. So as we go forward here, let's talk about, you know, a few of the bullet points that we put on and we're going to go down different avenues based on our conversation and the questions you asked. But, you know, how do you get people interested in your training? Explain as you go. People want to know your thought process. And there's even an art to that of how much you kind of lay into that. You don't have to go too complicated, but it's always good to let them know that you have a plan. Assessments are key. As I said, at the very beginning of the introduction is that is where everything starts. Once you get through greeting them at the door, the park cues and things like that is that assessment can absolutely help you in the conversations on why people need your personal training and then having programs based on a goal, not just how many sessions do you want to buy, right? Anchoring it to an end result. And then let's definitely not be a pushy salesperson. Let's be a highly educated fitness professional. I think that if you follow these four bullet points, plus whatever we're going to talk about, I think you're going to find that the sales process, yes, we do have to sell, will become much easier. Absolutely. And then you can also feel comfortable when you tell them your price, because I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. How much do you charge and what is appropriate for your services? But Marty, I think we need to talk about the assessments and the different types. And there are so many different assessments out there. But number one, you have to be able to talk about the subjective information, which is the verbal information. That's where if Marty Miller were to walk through the door and I had never met him before, I'm going to introduce him with a big smile or introduce myself with a big smile, put my hand out, look him in the eye, tell him that I'm excited that he's made the choice to come in today to get assessed and let me see how I can help him. And then I'm going to sit down with him and go through the park queue. I'm going to ask him about his history. I'm going to find out if he's had any injuries, even if it was something that happened at, you know, in his childhood. He broke his ankle. He broke his arm. Something that happened when he was very young, because that can end up showing up later in life because of different compensation patterns that may have happened um, if it wasn't rehabbed properly. I think also understanding if he's on any type of medication or if he's taking different supplements and how well does he sleep and what does he do at his job? All of this information then is going to become the story for the sale at the end, meaning that, hey, you know what? You have low back pain because you're sitting for this many hours in your seat. And you know what? This is what I'm noticing. You're not really working out or stretching or using a foam roller. So just making sure that you're building that rapport during subjective information, which is the questions that you're asking and feeling like, okay, you know what, ask any follow-up questions that you need. And then at that point, once you feel like you've got a, a good amount of information, you don't feel like you need to refer them out because you feel confident in where they are, then you can go into the objective assessments, which are the overhead squat, the single leg squat. Uh, any of the other push, pull, whatever assessments you feel is going to be most beneficial for you to get the information you need. And then you can take it a step further if you want, add some mobility assessments in there. If you're really not sure if it's the joint or the muscles that are causing those compensations. And then, of course, if they're an athlete or if there's someone that you feel like needs to go into more performance based stuff, you can do all of that in one session. And maybe that's your entire day. And you can either offer that for free because that's sometimes what people do. Come in, let's do a free assessment. Let's gather your information. But then at that point too, you can use that to your benefit to sell your services of why they need you. 
Yeah, these are the, the key bullet points that have to be checked within a couple sessions. It's great if you can do it at the very beginning, but sometimes the movement assessments, things like that, you can roll into those uh, because people may not want to do that initially, right? You have to educate them on that. But there's so much valuable information that will be garnered from all these four key bullet points that in my mind, you, if you know the model and you can understand their fitness goal, their true fitness goal, all the information you're going to need right there, it sits right there to help lay out a six and eight, a 12 week training program. And then you just tie it back to how many times they need to come to the gym, how many times they want to spend with you. And the sales process becomes very easy. Yeah. And I think too, just really understanding the assessment process. And that brings us to this point, mm -hmm. you're going to put them in the five kinetic chain checkpoints. You guys already know this five kinetic chain checkpoints are when your feet are pointed straight ahead, your knees are in line with your second and third toe, your hips are in a neutral position, you know, your shoulders are in a neutral position and your head is also in line um, in a neutral position. So if I were to look at you in a lateral view, you can see the ear, shoulder, hip, knee, and ankle all in one straight line. So if you set your client up for this during the overhead squat, but you notice when they're standing, they like to externally rotate their feet or their knees biomechanically are already in some sort of valgus, or they have a huge anterior pelvic tilt or forward shoulders and head, all of that in your static posture assessment can be noted. But then if they sat down in the subjective information and they said to you, hey, I've got these ailments, like this is causing some discomfort. I noticed that my you know, the, my arches are, are hurting by the end of the day and my low back is bothering me. I get these headaches sometimes, even if it's just on one side or I've got this neck pain, it feels like I've got this crick that I've had now for, you know, a week or two. That's not normal. And nobody likes to feel like they're quote in pain. And so I think once you set them up in the five kinetic chain checkpoints, you can just ask them, how weird does this feel? And I always say that before we even get started, okay, this is how I want you to stand. How unnatural is that for you? And then you're going to get the stories. Well, I've always stood this way and this is, you know, I don't stand this way because I've always done that. And then it goes into the storytelling and that's where you become already the salesperson. Like, well, what you, what's comfortable for you isn't necessarily the right way. It's just what your body knows. Yeah. And I've had conversations with people. I watch them set up and as soon as they put their arms above their head, there's, you know, a drastic difference in the elevation of the right arm versus left arm. I'm like, Hey, did you ever hurt or injure your right arm? And they're like, yeah, how'd you know? I'm like, well, let's take a look. And that all of a sudden now they like have some confidence and they understand that I, I, I hadn't dealt with that in years, but you know, it, oh my God, it's noticeable. So that's why these things are so valuable to gather the information for ourselves, but it's a way to communicate back to our client what we're seeing and that we have a strategic plan in mind that will help them to, to rectify these and then get them to their best fitness levels uh, feasible. And, and I do that. I do that with a single leg squat, because mm -hmm. usually if you're left handed, like for myself, I'm left handed. So I am stronger and actually have better balance on my right foot, because when I go to pick up a piece of paper or I do something, I put my weight and everything on that one leg. So it's actually stronger and usually more stable than than my left leg, even though people sometimes just assume that it's the opposite. And then I'm like, Hey, are you right-handed or left-handed? Especially when you're left-handed and you notice their right leg is good. And you're like, Hey, are you left-handed? Because most people automatically assume you're right-handed because that's more common. But I think at that point too, it's important 
because like you said, then they're like, how'd you know that? I'm like, you know what? I, I actually studied this stuff. I, yeah. I and Wendy, I know that cause you're left-handed. You had to bring that up. So I get you. I, I'm telling you <laughs> when I say that I'm in the right mind people, you know what I mean? So there you have it. <laughs> I've known Wendy a long time. That's negotiable. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> for those of you guys just joined in Wendy Bats and myself, Marty Miller this week on the Master Instructor Roundtable are truly just talking about how do you get people interested in your services, right? We're here to help people. And then obviously this is how you want to build your career. So now that we've talked about the five connected chain checkpoints, as we move forward here, we're going to dig in a little deeper and you'll see some of the key things that Wendy and I've talked about. And it starts with assessments. Shocking. So we don't need to spend a ton of time on this. If you guys have been with us, you know that it's always going to come back to assessments. We always have to be assessing whether it's the formal assessments, which we already went through the bullet points or even rep by rep, set by set. Every time they move, it's telling us something. So you can start with your static as they're standing there looking at you, talking to you. You can watch them walk in the gym. And then we obviously have our transitional things that we go through that you guys are very familiar with. But static posture will tell you an absolute ton. Yes. And all of this information, the reason why Marty and I talk about this each and every week, I think it's important to understand that this is in the textbook. We just try to bring the material to life. And there are a lot of visuals and there's something, you know, like you can see the, the drawing that was up on the slide a minute ago. This is just one type of assessment that you can have printed out if you're new to it. But then we, when we go even to the next slide, you're going to see there are different types of things visually that you're like, hey, if you notice this, then go to that. And so I think, you know, when you're going through the material, click on some of these different assessment sheets that are available to you. And if you're still new to it and you're learning, just print it out, have it available, stick it on your clipboard. I do that and still have that to this day, the solutions table, because you never know when you're going to have that brain dump of, wait, wait, what is it again? Because, you know, some mornings you're smarter than others. And I am prime example. And I've had that moment where I'm like, wait, what muscle is that? And I just can't think of it. So instead of guessing, I just have it all right there. See, and Wendy, so, I've seen the direct correlation between intelligence and caffeine. I, I you know. <laughs> Hey, yeah, until I've had my cup of coffee, y'all, I'm a totally different person. So I'm also going to say that live. Again, we are live today. So put those questions in the in the chat box for Marty and I. But it, and it has nothing to do with my caffeine. But I really, it's one of those things that just starts my morning and then I, I'm good to go. So Wendy here, and then we talked about static. So obviously we're going to start doing our transitional. I think everybody here, if you're NASM certified, you've done hundreds of these, hopefully. And that overhead squat, it gathers so much information, total body, how the body communicates from the foot and ankle all the way up through the cervical spine into the upper extremities. Um, then, you know, if there's a little compensation, obviously we can talk about a single leg squat assessment. We would always say that if we had to, especially lower body, if we're going to do one thing, of course, the single leg squat's going to tell us a ton because we don't hop around like bunnies. We use one leg to transition to another leg and that's what we need to do. But, you know, not everyone's always safe to do that. But in the corrective exercise, um, you know, the new version we added in the split stance. So there's a transition between two legs to a single leg even. So you can start to do other assessments that show you what happens when they have to take load just onto one leg or primarily one leg. So great way, total body, doesn't take long, absolutely is a must in my mind, even if you use it as a warm up to get these assessments in. Well, and this, I think, too, can then also be blended into that subjective information that you gathered, because if someone says that they are a CEO and they wear high heel shoes every day, they wear skirts or they have something where they need to cross their legs every day. 
or they're on a computer every day. A lot of these normal patterns that someone's doing for, for a lot of hours each and every day are going to show in their movement pattern, especially during the overhead squat. So if someone comes in, they've been wearing high heels or even men with the dress shoes, they're in an elevated position, right? They're, they're in um, dorsiflexion. I'm sorry, plantar flexion. So their calves are in a tightened position. And so as soon as they take their shoes off, they don't have that extensibility in their calves. So when they stand up straight, they're going to turn their toes out. That's what's comfortable because the lateral gastroc is super tight. So is the short head of the bicep femoris. So when you've got that external rotation, you can blend it back into, hey, see how your feet are going out? It's uncomfortable. It shows me that your calves are tight. A lot of that can be due to you wearing high heel shoes every day at work. So we know this is an area we're going to spend some time on. I just want to point this out to you. So again, you're relating it back to what they've already told you. And then you're showing them why their movement pattern isn't as ideal as it was when you first had them in the five kinetic chain checkpoints. Yep. And it really creates a high level of credibility for you right off the bat when you can start to tie these assessments in to things that they've done or struggled with or how fixing this or working on it is going to improve the outcomes of what their true fitness goals are. Indeed. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's also important to, you know, your clients want to know what you know, but you also want to make sure that they are understanding what you're saying. And so you can easily say, hey, listen, the reason why some of these compensations are showing or reason why I've seen your movement pattern di different from where we started to where you ended up is because you've got one side of a joint that's super tight and it could be from sitting all day. It can be from maybe some of the exercises that you've chosen to do every single day of your life without changing it up. Um, but when that happens and one side gets really tight, the other side of that muscle or other side of that joint then becomes lengthened and then it kind of starts to get lazy. So I think it's really about applying it to a situation where you're going to know how someone is during the subjective information, meaning how technical they are. I mean, I have one guy that sold four different companies. He's way younger than me, went to MIT, super smart. He wants to know, hey, we're looking right here about reciprocal inhibition. He wants the big words. But then I've got other people that are like, I could care less. Just tell me why I'm not working the way I'm supposed to be. And so then you're kind of, I don't want to say dumbing it down, but you're taking it and, and breaking it up into information that they're going to understand, but you're also showing this is why this is occurring. And it's actually over time going to be an easy fix. Yeah. And I'll just start off by saying, you know, I'm just going to watch and see how your body chooses to move. I don't use the word dysfunction. I don't use the word fix. Just, I want to see how your body chooses to move. And from there, I'll know exactly what type of programming is best for you. Yes. Then we can and go down they the start rabbit to squat hole. And they're a hot mess. Don't look at them and tell them that they're a hot mess. Yeah, and you don't be like, oh, oh. don't make sound effects. No sound or effects. Or like, yeah, like, man, how do, you, how do you get out of bed every day? Like, you know, so you just have to like make sure you let them know as you're taking notes, like, hey, this is for me. I'm going to share this information with you. And then at that point, what we're going to do is once we've gathered that information, I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to talk through some things with you. And then you can use something like this. This is the solutions table. You can pull the solutions table out if you're new and say, hey, look, this is what I've noticed and check mark all the compensations that you saw. Hey, I noticed that this is what happened with your feet. This is what your knees were doing. This is what's happening with your back. And as you can see, when we've got these muscles that are tight, we're going to spend some time 
foam rolling, which I'm going to show you how to do. We're going to spend some time stretching, especially these muscles, because we want to make sure we get them back into a good length position. And then here are some exercise examples of when we build your program that will be included to help with your movement patterns on top of us trying to get you to your weight loss goal or whatever goal that they you sat down and already know because you did that and found that information out during this subjective conversation. Yeah. And I'm going to say that the, the reason I'm going to encourage you to bring this out is I've seen a lot of newer NASM trainers, they pass the exam and then they go back into the gym or they go to the gym and they kind of get distracted on what they took and what they got certified in. So this is almost like an anchor back for you saying, wait a minute, let me not get too far ahead of myself and using it to one reiterate and learn the information. But it's kind of that guideline going, hey, let's not forget the first step. And this is exactly why I am an NASM certified trainer. And this could kind of be that, mm, slow down, don't get going too fast. Let me go step by step. And now I've got a starting point for where this client needs to spend their time doing what type of work. Yeah. And those of you guys tuning in to us live today on the Master Instructor Roundtable with myself, Marty Miller, myself, Wendy Batts and Marty Miller, we're talking a lot about getting clients interested in your services. Like what is the best selling you know, technique or what do you use in order to make the sale and get these clients invested in you, invested in their, their, their own journey. And then you guys becoming a good team because it really, it really does have to be both sides agree on a schedule. Both sides are saying, okay, I'm in this, let's do it. But you've got to make sure that you get them to that point of trusting you and building that rapport. And these are just some of the easiest ways. I mean, literally that assessment can just sell itself because they know that now you understand what you're doing and you've got all of this information in front of them to show them, hey, this is where you should be. This is where you are. And I can help you get to where you want to be. Love it. Exactly right. So as we move forward here, then the models, you're, as I said, the very many your best friend, talk them through the journey into the depth that you feel they need, but show them, right? you know, however that needs to be said that we have different phases of training that we're going to go through. Tell them again, why there's different phases, stabilization training, we're going to get you to move even better than you move now. So you're going to be doing things for prolonged periods of time. And you're going to talk, you know, then tell them how challenging that is. Then we're going to start to move well under load when we go to the strength phase, fill in the blanks. And then we're going to peak out at the, the power and we're going to have you move as well as possible at a higher speed. And then you can tie that to whatever was weight loss goal, body composition, muscle hypertrophy development. You can tie that in. But the key thing is to understand that and have them understand, I should say, most importantly, that they're on a fitness journey with a very specific scientifically backed program. Yeah. And you have to remind them that their body isn't going to change overnight, that this stuff does take time. And, you know, however old they are. So let's say they come in, they're 32 years old and they, you know, used to be a gymnast, you know, since they were five and all of a sudden these movement compensations started happening because of their sport or whatever it was since a very young age that it takes some time to undo. It's going to feel unnatural when you're asking them to stand with their feet straight ahead. It's going to feel unnatural when you put their, their hips in neutral and that's normal. But in every four to six weeks, your body starts to adapt to changes, but you've got to make yourself aware of where you, you know, where you are and where you need to be. And the more that you teach them, like, hey, when you're at the grocery store, look down at your feet. If you're standing in the line, your feet are out, just adjust them. I want you to bring them in. Or, hey, when you're at the kid's soccer game and you're sitting down in your chair and you're laid back and you cross your legs, stop doing that. You know, I want you to sit up with your feet 
both feet on the ground and really think through some of this. I think a lot of that is very important because it's things that they don't think about. Men with wallets, most people have gotten rid of the big fat wallet, but there are still some out there. When you have a wallet in your back pocket, it's going to throw your hips off if you sit for eight to 10 hours a day. So little things sometimes bring them aware. I think awareness is super, super important. But then, like you said, talk about the model, talk about that strong foundation and that that foundation is going to get you, you know, above and beyond to wherever journey they want to go. But you have to start somewhere. And this is where, you, you know, where it's going to fit best for them. Yeah. Model will always be your best friend. We've always talked about that. <laughs> All right. So. Now the programming comes in, right? This is where the fun begins. So we're not going to change anything up. We're going to do what we've always done, but you're going to make it fun, right? So we talk about inhibiting. And Wendy, you talked about this at the beginning. Hopefully we can explain that to, to them the science of it, show it to them one or two times, and then kind of transition to where they do this on their own because you're going to want them to do it even on their off days. And then it really does maximize the workout if they can come in 10 to 15 minutes before and start to do this. And then the whole flexibility continuum, whether it's our static into active into dynamic, then I know Wendy, your absolute favorite part. And we were just over in uh, South Korea and I know you taught a wonderful workshop on this on how core blends into the balance and then balance uh, blends into the plyos and how that alone can be a phenomenal fun workout on a given day to change it up. And then your other favorite part, Wendy, is that speed ladder or speed agility quickness, whether it's the upper body or lower body, getting them to be able to move properly in different planes of motion with different types of patterning, right? So you're now getting that central nervous system to be able to communicate with the feet at a little bit of a higher speed as it's appropriate to them. Then we get to what most people come into, which is that body of the program or the resistance training. And we just talked about the different phases of training, whether it's stabilization, endurance, you're going to get those acute variables. You're going to explain to them why we have different variables. Talk about what happens when you graduate from stabilization, endurance, and how you're going to be so much better now moving under load and how that is preparing you for the power phase. So each one of these parts of the workout can be a conversation on why they're in that order right? This order is not by accident. The importance of each one of these, how it ties them back to their goals, and that there is this um, stepping stone or step ladder effect in their training that they're going to want to go through these different phases. And then even the cool down, explaining to them to that, hey, I got you through a great workout and I want your body to reset. And that gives you that opportunity to talk about that. And at the end, they're gonna be like, oh my God, I thought it. I just came in and sat down on a piece of equipment, threw a pin into a plate loaded machine and did 12 reps. You know, now they fully understand why you are a certified professional, why you chose NESM and how you're using this model to get them to any goal they want. And of course, it's gonna be fun throughout that journey, but this is your absolute best selling tool. Absolutely. And and you know, if if you're not sure or people are still like you're not, you can't get the sale for some reason during the assessment. You can offer them like, hey, if you want to have a free session on me, that's fine. I don't do that personally. Um, I When I first started my career, we did have a day. This was something that I volunteered my time on uh, to help some people get started opening their clubs. And we had a day of assessments that was kind of like, come, let's see, let's evaluate you. Let's see where you are. We had a ton of people sign up. They brought their kids even. And there were so many sessions sold because the whole club kind of did this together and they were trying to make it to, so people were aware because sometimes people don't know what they don't know. 
They don't know how messed up they are until someone points it out. And then you can sit down and do that. Now, do you have to do that? Absolutely not. Do I do that now in my career? No. But I've also built my clientele up. I've built my books where I don't have to. So if you're new, there are so many different ways. People ask all the time. Marty and I get this question all the time. I don't know how to get started. I don't know how to get started. Well, this is an easy way to get started. Yes, it's going to take your time. But what is your time worth now for one day and what you can do to help build your business? Is it worth it? Is it not? Do you have the space? Do you have other people that maybe want to join in? Is this something you do solo? Are you marketing it out maybe into your parks and recs? You know, there are a bunch of different places depending on where you want to work. And if you're going independently, it's always harder to build your business, but you're going to have to get yourself out there and you're going to have to get yourself in an uncomfortable position in order to bring people to you unless you do some crazy marketing. No, couldn't agree more. You got to start somewhere and this is the best place to start. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I'm glad you do. <laughs> So then the other thing too, I, I never sold. I really don't think I ever sold personal training. I was an educator. I knew the material. I understood how to communicate it to the people that uh, were in front of me. And I had to present it a lot of different ways, right? It wasn't just one way because I had to read how they were. But, you know, Wendy, you mentioned it. There could be an incredibly good trainer that doesn't have enough clients. And then there are some trainers that you know, we may say that don't have the skill set, but they're very good at communicating with people, making it fun. So you've got to blend those two together, right? You've got to have great ideas scientifically, fundamentals, understand progressions and regressions, assessments, but then you got to make it fun, but you still got to be able to communicate to people on why they need your services. And the more you're familiar with the model, the more you're familiar with the different phases of training, that is how you educate them. And then you have to explain why, what you see in the assessments. Again, not negative in tone. Say, I want to see the way you move and we're going to adjust maybe some of those movement patterns so you can achieve new levels of fitness. You know, or if you understand that person is like, hey, give it to me straight. You know, my knee hurts or something like that. You can maybe be more specific, but, you know, it's going to be that. Can I explain it to them in a way that they feel comfortable with my knowledge and that we have something we can do about it? which is then going to directly impact the reason I came in here today anyways. And know your worth, be confident in your prices, do the research in your area. Sometimes you work for facilities where you have no choice in the pricing. So we're not even going to talk about that. But for me, I never gave a discount because, you know, if I'm going to a doctor or you hire a lawyer or a plumber, their rates, their rate. I'm a, I'm a professional. This is my rate. And, uh, you know, I don't do a discount and I know Wendy, you don't either. And then realistic timelines should be set, go through the model, talk about why the body adapts in anywhere two to four weeks. And maybe sometimes it's going to take five weeks and map that out throughout that journey. And we've used this before Google maps, you have your starting point, your ending point, and it fills in the middle. That's how you can talk about a 12 week program, a 16 week program. I don't want to say, well, can you buy 10 sessions? Can you buy 20 sessions? Well, why do I need that many sessions? Like it sounds like you're just trying to sell something, put me on a fitness journey and map out the step, you know, or the, the kind of wins or the benchmarks. And now I'll understand why it's 16 weeks and it could be two to three sessions a week. And then of course, you're always going to do your reassessments and then we adjust as needed because life will absolutely get in the way one way or the other. Uh, maybe they accelerate, but sometimes they just have to, you know, restart or tweak something, but that's just part of what we do. Yeah. And I'm telling you the pricing guys, your price, like Marty said, your price is your price. 
And I had a long conversation with someone who was on Facebook. They were super stressed out. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to call you. Just give me your number. And we had a 30 minute conversation. A lot of it was the confidence that she had in herself. She was new. She did the research in her area. Some of these trainers that have been training for a long time charged this amount of money. And she was like, I don't feel like I'm able to charge that amount because I have only had two clients in my entire career so far. I don't know if I'm there yet. And it was really asking her questions and she knew the answers. She was an excellent student. Marty and I mentored her for five, five weeks. We you know, did some things where we worked with her. She ended up having her CPT, her CES and her PES, but it was really just getting in front of people. And so once we started building her confidence and letting her see like, listen, you know more than these other people, you are definitely worth that. But if you go in and your tail is tucked between your legs and you're like, well, this is what my price is. And, and this is, you know, like, no, Hey, you know what, this is what I charge each hour within that session. This is what you're going to get. You're going to come and do this, this, and this. We're going to have a good workout. You're going to get your cool down. We're going to make sure that you're ready for the next session. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to send you texts to remind you that your appointment's coming up. And I want to make sure that you're foam rolling at home. And so if we're going to do this, we're going to do this together. That's it. Mm -hmm. But if you just are starting to wish be wishy-washy and you're not sure and you haven't done research and all of a sudden you're saying, hey, I'm $200 an hour and the going rate is $100, then you better be really, really good because people are going to be like, where'd you get that number? So you want to make sure that you're you're competitive, but you also want to make sure, too, that you're living up to whatever your dollar worth is. No, I couldn't agree more. So just, it, you know, it takes a little work practice, you know, and confidence without a doubt. Confidence, confidence, confidence. and confidence. you got to be fun. Have fun with it. Yeah. So let's go through a couple of the key takeaways, Wendy. I'll fly through this here and then see what your thoughts are. But shocking that assessments key are key, make it on anything that we do. Follow the OPT model. Wow. What do you know? We're going to stick to the science. And then, of course, the five kinetic chain checkpoints. I think you're going to see these three all the time on anything we probably do if it relates to the science of what we're teaching and performing from a scientific standpoint. And then program based on goals. Don't just throw exercise together, right? That's why you took these, these courses is because you want to know what stabilization endurance training is, what the different levels of strength training are and power. Use that to your advantage, get amazing results, and then know your worth. Very well summarized, Marty. <laughs> I try, Wendy. I try. <laughs> well, if you guys have additional questions, we didn't have any questions today, Marty, so we must have just done an excellent job. In That's what I'm uh, going with. today, Right? Today's podcast. But if you do have questions after listening to us or you're listening to us after the fact, you can always email me and Marty or you can find us on Instagram. But if you want to email me, you can find me at wendy.bats at e or nasm.org or you can go on to Instagram and find me at wendy.bats13. And my information's right here. You'll see dr.martymiller72 for my Instagram and then marty.miller at nasm.org for email. So, Wendy, great content. I know this is one of your ideas. I really appreciate you bringing this one up. And I know that uh, it's, it's an obvious one, but I think we needed to come back to it because we haven't really talked about this in a while. And this is why people go out because they want to have a successful career. So, Wendy, thank you again for all of your expertise. And thank you for all of you that joined us this week. And of course, we look forward to seeing you next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable. <music>